Hello, Knowledge Multimedia listeners. This is producer Mikkel. Uh, what you're about to hear is No Snare in My Headphones, Episode 2, with Jordan Palladino and his guest, Matt Johnston, of Them the Band. Um, the episode is uh, recorded at Al's Den's uh, adjacent attic, where we recorded the previous No Snare. Um, since then, the weekly Ed Foreman show has moved to Tuesday and Thursday nights at Dante's in downtown Portland on 3rd and Southwest Burnside, or Southwest 3rd and Burnside on the west side. So uh, if you want to see them, uh, that's the best place to catch uh, Matt Johnston and J.P. Downer and all of them, the band, as well as Ed Foreman comedy and the uh, stylings of Jordan Palladino himself. So uh, be sure to go down to Dante's on Tuesday and Thursday nights and see the Ed Foreman show. Uh, when we recorded this, it was being uh, done downstairs at Al's Den. So that's what they reference, but um, as of now, it's at Dante's, downtown Portland. And now, episode two, with Jordan Palladino, No Snare in My Headphones. Thirsty, thirsty, trying to choose. I mean, I know I'm pretty cool. My nitty bag, my kitty boots. I got the juice, I got the juice. Ten old Chatham's on. Foolies glad I'm on. Even my haters kinda glad I'm on. Rest in peace to my bag up on. Rapper song, singer, suspended subpoena from Mr. Meaner's dreamer. Hell back asses, Loki still a dear. And I still shake a bow squat. Ram on my broke got City on the come up. Shot that nigga Sosa. Shot my nigga Fat Trail. Shot my nigga Joseph. Playing Buenos Aires while they sleep in Buenos Noches. Wonder if I wrote this. Cause it's so crisp The roast broke his gold stock broke I went on solstice I could win an Oscar Russian accent horse Acid addict Cross the habit Hello and welcome to the second episode of No Snare in My Headphones with Jordan Palladino. I am Jordan Palladino and there are no snare in my headphones because this is just speaking. There's no music in the background at all. I'm going to talk about what I've been listening to lately, and that is Chance the Rapper. Chancellor Bennett is a 20-year-old rapper from Chicago, Illinois. I'm a big fan of him. He's put out a mixtape this year called Acid Rap, and I feel that other than other Chicago rapper Kanye West's album Yeezus, I feel that Acid Rap is the best project of the year, hip-hop and all other genres of music included. He's a very talented man. And uh, speaking of talented men, my guest tonight is Chicago native, Matthew, Matty Ice, Matt Johnston. Matt, hello. How's it going? Going all right. So, Matt, I've talked to you before about Chicago and how much I love the music in Chicago, particularly the rappers in Chicago. What are your thoughts on Chicago rap music? 
Well, I wish I had more to say because growing up as a jazz player, I can tell you a lot about jazz musicians, but if their name doesn't rhyme with Swanye, I probably can't tell you much about the rap scene in Chicago. All right. Well, that that does not bode well for this game we're going to play right now. I feel lucky though, so. It's called How Well Does Matt Johnston Know His Hometown? So Matt, for the people, you're a Chicagoan. Is it a Chicagoan, Chicagoite? Let's go Chicagoan. Chicagoan, that sounds better than Chicagoite. Because then people sound like Chicago's ite. And I've never been there, but I'm assuming it's better than ite. Depends on the, the month. Some months are ite, others so, are better. So Chicago's pretty big, pretty diverse. There's a lot of neighborhoods, right? Mm-hmm. Does the neighborhood Oaklawn mean anything to you? Oaklawn. Oaklawn. I know it's a neighborhood, and I know it's in the state of Illinois, and that's about what it means to me. So you don't know much about Polaris High School in Oaklawn, Illinois? I think I'm failing my first quiz question. because. What no. about uh, West Aurora High School? When I hear Aurora High School, I think Wayne's World. I don't know if that's the high school that Wayne and Garth went to, but I know that they're from Aurora, Illinois. Well, that's not it. So far, you don't, you don't know anything about Kanye West's early childhood at all. It's Kanye's from Chicago. Like, yeah, he, he lived in Oaklawn. So I was thinking. Chicago. Yeah, so th- when I said Oaklawn, I expected you to like, go crazy. Like, People may mention the Decemberists. Everyone in Portland immediately drops what they're doing and like picks up a banjo or whatever. I don't listen to the Decemberists. Okay. But I was figuring you'd start rapping a Kanye verse upon mentioning that. What about uh, the Chicago American Academy of Art? Does that mean anything to you, Matt? I know what it is, but I feel like I'm 0 for 3 now. So you didn't go there? You didn't, you didn't go there? I didn't go there. I've driven past it, though. What about some friends? Do you have any friends that have ever gone there? No. No one that was ever in the English department? <laughs> no. Well, because that was where Kanye Kanye West's mom, Donda, was the uh, she was the chair of the English department. Okay. Heroes uh, come back. I'm going to get the next one. I'm feeling good. So what about uh, Jones College Prep High School? I bet that's where Kanye's brother, Rondo, went. No, that is where Chance the Rapper went to high school. That was my 15th So you, do you, when I say these places, do you know them? Like, the way that if somebody, I Portland, somebody says Lincoln High School, they're like, oh, yeah, Lincoln High School. It's over there. If somebody mentions Franklin High School, they're like, oh, yeah, it's... Over there. Have you ever been to Chicago? Have you ever flown no. into Chicago? No. It's a very weird thing growing up there and then living here because in Chicago it's unbelievably flat. So when you're driving in, especially from the west, or driving, flying in, <laughs> you can see the mountain ranges and then they go away and then you see nothing but corn for about three hours. And then out of the middle of just nothing, you see this huge, gigantic city. And I never really appreciated how big Chicago was until I lived in Miami and Wisconsin in Portland. And so the difference, and I guess my minor defense to me not knowing any of these things, is, is that there's so many neighborhoods and so many different areas of Chicago that I drop references to other people I meet in Portland who are also from Chicago, and they have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about, unless it's the Bears or Deep Dish Pizza. Uh, controversial opinion. Deep Dish Pizza, not that good. But you've never been to Chicago to have Chicago deep dish pizza. I mean, I've been to the airport, but I mean, anybody like I wouldn't count that. Like, if somebody's like, "Oh, I've been to JFK," like we haven't been to New York. You went mm-hmm. to the airport. I mean, I've been to O'Hare. Who is who are the O'Hares? The O'Hare, Joe and Ira, they were composers, and they actually took a lot of Gershwin's work and redid it. But it turned out that their more passionate interest was aviation, so they just took all that music and burned it, and then they became an airport owner. So did, were they were they jazz guys? You know, I don't know enough about them to confirm. Because well, I know that because Gershwin, Gershwin's jazz, and you know that one of my favorite—not even one of my favorite filmmaker, Woody Allen, big Gershwin guy, big jazz guy, big Dixieland guy, big Dixieland guy. They have a diner. It was in Seinfeld. I hear that. 
so when when you were growing up in Chicago, is did jazz find you or did your parents make you listen to jazz? No, I always loved jazz from a young age. Well, I guess I loved blues and R and B, like um, Otis Redding, Sam Cooke. Chicago native, some point. I was going to defend myself later with some good musicians from Chicago. Who we'll aren't we'll keep a running tally. But Sam Cooke definitely won. And then when I got a little older, I gave up on classical piano around fifth grade because I hated traditional music. I didn't really find a love for Beethoven and Chopin until I was a lot older. So then I finally started taking jazz piano lessons and realized that I could finally emulate the music I was listening to. It's really hard to play an instrument when you feel so disconnected to the music that you like. It's really hard if you're listening to Pearl Jam when you're 10 to try to play piano, for example. I don't listen to Pearl Jam as they have complicated pianos. A little bit like Kanye. All right. Well, that, that now I might actually have to listen to them. You had a killer Jeremy reference on the show. Uh, Matt, you're a funny guy. You, you're very funny on the piano. Thank you're you. You're funny in, in conversation. Have you ever thought about doing more funny things? You could... You could make money for being a funny guy, not See, just the piano man. Billy I Joel. freeze up. I mean, I'm stressed out right now. I'm thinking about how many times I say um and how many times I say like. Hopefully, I'm not doing too terribly. So I think I'm kind of a conversational joker, but I don't even think I'm that good at it. Conversational joker was a rejected Batman character. Mm-hmm. This guy that says stuff like, uh, hey, m- maybe maybe I got some cards in my pants and I'll do a trip. Oh man, I don't have any cards in my pants. It should be Joker's cousin. I feel like every villain should have an they, incompetent they should have a cousin. cousin. You you like incompetent family members. That seems to be like a running thing for you. I do. I have a lot of them myself. I'm an only child, so I'm I'm the pride of my family, but also the incompetent cousin to myself. Okay. I don't like some of so my cousins. So you're the Joker and you're the conversational Joker. But I'm also Batman. I'm into that. Yeah. See, so do I you know fight y- yourself? I mean, do you go home and do like the whole music video thing where you look at the mirror and punch it, and there's like one persona in the mirror and another persona looking at you? I I don't know which which music video you're talking about. It might be Pearl Jam. Probably a Kanye one. No, I know Kanye music videos. I know them so well. I I watch them regularly. I love I love Kanye. I was actually thinking of a skit that Aaron Ross showed me. It was I think Jimmy Fallon who did Mick Jagger. And he was in one end of the mirror, and the real Mick Jagger was in the other end of the mirror, and it was like they were talking to each other from different sides. Oh, I think that was I think that was on SNL or something. That sounds familiar. I That's, thought that was really funny, but you know. well, your Chicago is is home of a lot of funny people. A lot of people got their starts there. One of my favorite comedians, John Mulaney, is okay. from Chicago. Um, is is there like when you're in in Chicago? Do you get do you feel the comedy there? Like, is it a naturally funny place? Like, for example, I think New York is really funny because the, the pace and the tempo and the attitude of people in New York is very, like, get out of my way, or also very Jewish, and, like, I was in your way, a lot of that kind of stuff. Okay. I thought that was funny. You should have laughed, man. I'm into it. All right. Well, saying you're into it doesn't count the same. It does. It's so funny I forgot rehab. to laugh. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a deep callback. That's very inside baseball. But so Chicago... Is it a funny place? Deep dish pizza is not very funny. Well, you've never tried it, so how do you know? I, Maybe the conversational joker thinks I've it's funny. I've been to Pizza Hut, Matt. I think I understand all of Chicago. Paced tough the couple times I've gone to Pizza Hut. It's a good hut. 
But we'll talk about Roll Pizza and actually how I know one of the coach or one of the owners of a pizza place who was a coach of the high school basketball team that I failed to try out for or make the team for in high school. And that was not at uh, Jones College Prep High School. Partial credit. Was that at Simeon? Simeon. That's I know Simeon is big. Simeon's a big basketball school. That's Derrick Rose, uh, Dwayne Wade, Anthony Davis, and uh, Jabari Parker, Jabari right? Parker. Yeah, he's there. Mm-hmm. So where? Where was where Simeon in relation to where you were playing Pearl Jam songs as a ten year old? Well, I was jamming out to Pearl Jam and the Toadies and Silver Chair in North Chicago, which is also one of the big divisions of Chicago, North and South. If you're from the North Side, you're typically a Cubs fan. And if you're from the South Side, you're typically a White Sox fan. Obama. You got it. There we go. And my geography isn't going to be exact, but I think that Simeon High School is in the southwest side of Chicago. I know that it's in the south side. Okay, I think it's southwest. And that's also where, I know in the southwest is where Englewood. Mm-hmm. Have you been there before? I have. You know who's from there? Chief Keefe. <laughs> You're not as excited as I imagined you'd be. I don't Chief know who Keefe, that is. Chief Keefe, he's, he's a bad guy. He's uh he got kicked off. Me on this guy. <laughs> he got kicked off Instagram for posting a picture of himself getting blown when he was like 16. Okay. He's 18 now. So I think that that in itself represents Chicago, and I, you, I don't even need to say anything else. That's it, right there. Underage Instagram porn is what is what best describes Chicago. Well, when you say it like that, I mean, what no. other way is there to say it? Well, going back to your question about comedians in Chicago oh. being a funny town, oh. going back a second. I was actually thinking about this a couple weeks ago because I think that Chicago in some ways is frozen in the mid-90s when it comes to celebrities. I'm a huge basketball guy, and as you know, I'm a diehard Derrick Rose and Chicago Bulls fan. And something that Derrick Rose was talking about in an article I read recently is how Chicago's forgotten how to handle celebrities. Because I feel like 15 or 20 years ago, it was a lot bigger comedy town and star town. It was a place where a lot more movies were being made. A lot more films that were kind of mainstream, especially in the comedy realm, were being made and produced. So people like Chris Farley, Mike Myers, Tina Fey, who weren't originally from Chicago, even though Bill Murray was, who's kind of I'm putting in that group, were making movies. There was more of a common celebrity atmosphere, which has been gone the last 15 years. So when you talk about Chicago being funny, I feel like people are still making the same Tommy Boy, Billy Madison, Ferris Bueller days a day, Ferris Bueller's Day Off kind of jokes that were around for a long time. Do you feel like the fact that now Chicago is more of a rap town has changed that at all? Suck the funny out. Well, because a lot of rappers... That's what you meant, right? Well, a lot of rappers can't laugh at themselves, which is what makes me so unique and single. Mm-hmm. Uniquely single. That's a good ad right there. U.S., baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel... But, I mean, like, Kanye is... I, I I have a hard time imagining there's someone from Chicago that's more famous than Kanye right now. And so when you were last in Chicago, okay. what was Kanye's presence? Because you were there in July, right? Yeah, I was there a couple months ago. Do you remember what ti- what uh, what days? Because June 18th is when Yeezus came out. And like, it's really interesting to me what kind of presence artists have in their hometowns. You know, it was actually August. And so I was there about mid-August, maybe the 19th to 20-something. Oh, uh, so that's like two months. Yeah. Two months. That's, that's You don't really cap. You don't get your finger on the pulse then. But, so, I mean, I feel like Kanye, since he doesn't really laugh at himself, do you think maybe that's why Chicago doesn't laugh? Like, is he representative of Chicago or Chicago representative of him? 
I don't in the, think like, so. not being able to laugh at itself and stuck in the 90s. Oh, I think Chicago's able to laugh at themselves. And my point earlier is that there's just a lot of old references that people from the West Coast sometimes don't get. I think that you are an anomaly to this because you're a comedian and love funny movies and funny jokes. So when I say fat guy in a little coat, you're going to instantly know what I'm talking about. Whereas Bueller's Day Off, too. Yeah, exactly. The Revenge of the Bueller, which was a very underappreciated sequel, I might add. Cameron just can't get that suit jacket off. James Kahn is Ferris Bueller's father. Is he actually? Oh, of course. Right here. Uh, you, you would know. Your heartbeat does say, Chicago, Chicago. The it's band Chicago. Beat. The band Chicago. I heard they're not even from Chicago. No. I just made that up. Are they actually not from there? I don't know, but I said no to support. Right. I was trying to support you, man. <laughs> you, you don't have to make me look that good. I you do, look great, I do though. Enough of that. Um, so Chicago, it's funny. Oh, yeah. It's got music. The biggest music, I think, in Chicago, it all like it all comes together at Lollapalooza. Okay. Have you ever been to Lollapalooza? Twice. Okay. Tell me about Lollapalooza. Lollapalooza is really, really fun. I saw Radiohead there one year. I saw Ben Harper and Wilco and Rage Against the Machine headline the year after that. They were all awesome shows. I don't know how many music festivals you've been to, but the biggest difference I noticed between that and, say, Bonnaroo was the corporate level was super extreme when compared to other music festivals. At Lollapalooza. At Lollapalooza. I blame Perry Farrell. Okay. And it's simple. He is in the band satellite party which does the theme song to entourage oh yeah which is like the worst thing in the whole is world. that song called oh yeah or yeah yeah i I, I, I i don't think the word yeah is in the title i think it's called no it's called superhero what if it was called like arizona sunrise or something really emotional instead of yeah yeah or superhero. it's super i mean superheroes are pretty emotional like i don't know i don't know if you saw the latest batman but not, 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 no, not Batman, Superman. He's No, I didn't see that it's, one. It was so bad, Matt. It was so bad. It was as corporate as Lollapalooza sounds. That's lame. So when, what years did you go to Lollapalooza? I think it was, I want to say 07, 08. So when did you leave Chicago? I moved away from Chicago Set up this the timeline. first time in 2005 when I graduated high school, went to music school, and then I moved back for about a year. And then I moved again around two thousand, like maybe later two thousand six. And then I moved out here around two thousand ten. So you've been here for three years. Actually, you know, it must have been two thousand nine because four years. Apparently, four I don't years. teach math. So another big thing at Chicago is Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. And so I know that he, if I'm not mistaken, he had his um, his accept accepting of the election winning. Same so place exactly they do all the police. Yeah, that's what I thought. Mm-hmm. So. What would you have rather gone to, those two Lollapaloozas or Obama's winning accepting? Hands down, Lollapalooza. All right, we got a Republican up here. All right. Well, I voted for Obama twice. I like Obama. Doesn't mean you can't be a Republican. Oh, I didn't say I Ask wasn't. my grandparents. <laughs> well, <laughs> I will, but that'll be for a different show. All right. But for now, I'll say that Lollapalooza, I got to see some of my favorite bands in a big stage venue. I haven't gone to many big concerts, arena concerts, and I rarely do. But that was really, really cool, especially I'm a big Wilco guy, and I thought they did a really good job at Lollapalooza. And, of course, Radiohead, as always, totally killed it. So that was and awesome. And so, so you must have seen Radiohead in 2008. I saw them in 2008. Because that's, well, that's when I saw them. Was that – was, was you weren't in, at Lollapalooza. Though, don't no, mess with my head. no, no, I was not there. I saw the last five shows of their tour in America. The In Rainbows tour? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was at that. Uh, and I know they were at Lollapalooza because that was when YouTube started to stream – 
okay. live shows, which I don't know if you've ever watched a live stream of a concert, mm-hmm. but like it's it's not the same. Yeah. But it does make you think when it's good. Imagine how much how much better it would be in person. Like Kanye's performance, they're gonna bring it back to Kanye a lot. Just look at my notes. It just says Kanye in one br- big letter. Um, but so his performance at Lollapalooza was great, and it means like, all right, I gotta go see Kanye. And so actually, the next arena show I go to is gonna be Kanye West on uh, October nineteenth. Oh, that's right. I remember this big day when you yeah. announced that. It's it's I did announce it. It was like baby's day out. I announced it because it's it's when baby gets to go out. James Conn is the second lead baby. <laughs> he is, yeah. Kendrick Lamar is the third one. Um, so, <laughs> so live 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 performances. Like, do you watch live videos much? Do you does that turn you on like musically? It does. It does turn me on musically. There I would say that I listen to a lot of live music on YouTube just to get inspiration for some of my favorite groups. Something that I think has happened in recent years is that bands can't get away with average live performances anymore. And so a lot of times when I hear a band perform live and the harmonies aren't right there or the, the changes or maybe the rhythm isn't as tight as you'd think it would be on a recording, I think that a band loses popularity a lot more than it did because when you're at a live concert, especially when there's thousands of people getting into it, you're having a few drinks, you're having fun, there's a lot of energy there, it's really easy to overlook some of those fundamental things that are taken for granted on a record. But now, with all this YouTube streaming, people can go back and either listen to concerts they've been to or go back and be like, I wonder how much I really like Radiohead or Muse or whoever and see if they can really do it on a live stage, which is, I think, turning into a completely separate skill than recording. That's, that was, that's, that was, that was a, a, probably the best point that's been made on this show. Better than the James Conn thing? That's much better than the James Conn thing. I'm a little offended. No one cares about James Conn anymore. Have you seen Rush Hour? Not recently. Well, that's... Okay. His name is Lee, goddammit! I apologize Sorry. if that was too loud, for, but it was... I, was I, watched Chris, I watched Chris Tucker do his Robert De Niro impression on Conan today. It's so bad. I'll... I'll I mean, the people listening won't be able to do see it. Do it, do it. So he just goes like this. I'll have what they're having. I'll have what <laughs> they're having. Is that a movie reference? I don't know. Uh, no, he's talking about how it, because they were in Silver Linings Playbook together, but at the the craft service table, <laughs> De Niro goes up to Chris Tucker and he's like, so this is Chris Tucker telling the story. He's like, Chris, what are you having? And then Chris's like, oh, I'm going to, ha- you know, I'm going to have whatever they have. And he's like, but so the whole time it sounds like Chris Tucker. So it's it sounds nothing like Robert De Niro, and it looks exactly like Chris Tucker. So, so it's just him saying a line that Robert Robert De Niro happened to say to him. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he's just saying, I'll have what they're having. If, if they serve me it, I'll, I'll eat it. Ugh. It sounds terrible, but I feel like I have to watch it just See, because it's so terrible. That's that's what I do. I direct people to Conan YouTube clips. Um, it's not what I do. So Conan, be. this actually segues well. Conan has good musical guests. Conan is funny. He involves his band in his show. Mm-hmm. We, Aaron and I, involve you, them, the band, in the show. And I think what you do particularly well, and this is mostly because I haven't seen much of Dave, but I've seen you do this dozens of times, Mul- do- dozens of dozens of times, because we've done over 144 shows, if my math is correct. A lot of shows. But so you, uh, if, if somebody says, like, oh, man, my name's Monica, then you start playing the Friends theme song. So... You're you you're funny with music. Why thank you. Appreciate what are your it. thoughts on funny music? 
You know, it, it really depends for me. I think that I like Tenacious D. I think they're really funny. I think that Adam Sandler has his moments of singing and kind of having comical lyrics. Even though this isn't technically a song, I always loved his talking goat. That was a thing growing up. I don't know if you're familiar with the goat. That gave me giggles. You should check it out on it YouTube. It sounds funny. I, I like goats a lot. It's a talking goat. He swears, <laughs> and he's incompetent. And like you said, That's incompetent funny. things to me are funny. That is funny. I think that it has to be done a right, the right way. I think that something that me and other musicians disagree on is I think that sometimes when music is so bad that it's terrible, I can sometimes think that's funny. If any one of the millions of listeners out there are listening and want to hear something really funny, you should Google, Oh, Holy Night, Terrible Singing. And it is the worst rendition of that song, and it makes me cry every time I hear it. You you did show us that at uh, JP's birthday, if I'm not mistaken. It was actually my birthday, but thanks for caring. Oh, yeah, I didn't even go to JP's birthday. I was really hungover. At least he said that at this guest and not when he was on the show, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, JP, remember at Matt's birthday? And he's like, Matt's birthday is not till the 18th of August. Memorize his Instagram name, MattyIce818. And I was like, damn it, JP. You did your homework. You and Look your clairvoyance. You. No, I just remember it. Very James Conn of you. you <laughs> enough with the James Conn. But you like enough of my stuff on Instagram, so I've seen it, I've seen it pop up. And I'm like, oh, 818, all right. Matt loves L.A. area codes. It's true. And then you told me that it was that's your birthday. So I'll also never forget true. that now. But so you think bad singing's funny. I think bad singing's funny. But I'm talking about, like, funny music. Like, uh, you ever heard of Bo Burnham? No. Well, he's he does, he does like, really satirical stuff. Okay. Or, like, Tim Minchin. I've mentioned Tim Minchin he's before. He's hilarious. So have you heard his – he has a song called Three Minutes. Have you heard that one? Mm-mm. He originally does it for a uh, a BBC telethon, and so the BBC is the British Broadcasting okay. Company, that, Company that Corporation, out. yeah, that is conglomerate. in England. Yeah, I, I'm sure it's not conglomerate. That's not, some Altoids, it is. Well, I bought you two things, Altoids, so I, I can't afford to keep buying Altoids. For I don't think jokes get more inside than that, but sorry. <laughs> Anyways, continue. So, uh, so he plays this song, and it's about, like, the whole thing's kind of messing with censors, and how like you you can't say certain songs, and he does a lot of like really funny wordplay. It's very satirical, and so like since you're funny, have you ever thought about like writing your own satirical music? No, I think that when you did a little head shake, which makes me think maybe you did think about it. Like you might have been like a little drunk on gluten free beer and be like, oh, I could write a foot. No, I couldn't. I've had a couple extra doras and thought about writing. See, you know, so you have stuff. thought of it. Well, I think of when I use music to be funny, especially, I mean, in the Ed Foreman show, for example, the two ways I think I really enjoy it the most is when it's kind of spontaneous, when Ed Foreman will be talking about something, maybe bowling, and I happen to know the ESPN bowling theme song, which I don't. There would have been so many examples that actually worked, and that's the one I came up with. I was going to say. But I think the other thing is sometimes I think about writing things that would be funny, but also would have a lot of clever musicality in it like the music would still come first and it would happen to be funny as opposed to its sole purpose to be funny like the musical that i'm writing actually it's three years in the making and i'm writing something with a friend of mine first boy and uh who happens to be the mayor's son for anyone listening that didn't get that other inside joke he's he's not sinbad's son (laughs) even though that would be the best (laughs) joke ever but uh it's called hipster the musical and I, we were talking about over the last 10 years or so, hipster has become a term that everyone knows. Mm-hmm. And I think that they predominantly live in Portland compared to most places. And the, the premise of the play is, is that it's a knockoff of West Side Story, except instead of, is it Jets and Sharks? 
Yes. Instead of Jets and Sharks, it would be Bros and Hipsters. And it's a okay. backwards love story where there's a broy guy that falls in love with a hipster girl, but they can't tell each other because one hangs out at Jake's on Saturday and the other one hangs out on Swift. And so they have to sneak to find each other and they find true love. And it would have all of these kind of clever mo- modifications on the o- original Leonard Bernstein material. But it would be this kind of knowledge of hipsters for, say, in 50 years when the term is something that only geezers like you and me use. So the, instead of telling the PRs to go back to San Juan, mm-hmm. what do the bros say to the hipsters? Go back what to What voracious, your... mean things do they say? I haven't gotten that far. I just write I had the music. my fingers crossed for, for parents' basement. I like it. Yeah. And I think that they're um, connected through PBR. That's how they find first love. So that they're both at a PBR uh, happy hour in both groups. Commodores right up the street. Two dollar exactly. PBRs all day. And so they reach out and there's a very broy not maybe not tattoo, but you can see the Jets jersey on his shoulder reaching Chad out Pennington. to grab the exactly. Definitely Chad Pennington or Cent- Centennial Holmes, am I thinking? Yeah, they're both okay. number ten. So reaching out and then there's a very hipstery multiple rings. Maybe you could even see like a little fake bunny tattoo that they got at the McDonald's, like you know, the little rub on tattoos. Something very ironic. Definitely a lot of piercings, and then they go into the, you know, we locked eyes over a PBR. I thought that's how it would start. So that would be like, would that be the first song? Yeah, that would be the first song. So how much of this have you written? Because if you if you want like a jive-talking, schlubby, bro-hipster rapper, I'm down. Oh, you're in, and you're going to love this next part. So, I'm already, so there's already been a part written for me? You're in. All right. You're in. You're a bro, by the way. This, that's that's what I wouldn't have it any other way. Well, I was have really you seen looking... my arms? Oh, you're brotastic. Yeah, we just we need go. to get some ridiculous Muscle. Sanskrit tattoo. Or yeah, <laughs> but I was gonna just say something in Sanskrit that means just like pass the bacon, or something that would be the sim- symbolic tattoo. You know, I am head. half Jewish, man. Yeah. All right. Sanskrit is, uh, I think, German. <laughs> so you're covered. <laughs> See, that was funny, Matt. See, you're a funny guy. One out of seven. You're 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 doing well for this musical, but you're only you're not writing any of the mu- You're just writing the music. You're not writing the lyrics. Oh, I'm definitely doing the lyrics. I was gonna say because that's where I feel like you'd excel, like. Dingus McTarnahan. That's funny. I was just bragging about that earlier. I'm pretty proud oh, of that. Oh, who are you bragging to that? What are your, what are your kids? Uh, one of my adult students. Oh. So you – all right. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. But so so you have this musical thing you're doing, mm-hmm. and the, the, the music's funny. Explain how music can be funny. Like, to, if I, so for someone that doesn't really know much about music, what, what's the joke? Okay. I'm a big Simpsons fan. I know you are, too. Love The Simpsons. And the best way that I ever heard The Simpsons being described is that The Simpsons is the greatest satire of all time. I think that you could argue so- South Park, too. And we don't, you know, we don't need to go into that. But it's a great satire. And I think that what The Simpsons do so well is throw in so many things from pop culture. And not just mainstream pop culture, but things like they'll reference things like Eudora Welty. They'll reference things like the Denver Broncos being really, really bad for a long time. They'll reference things like the Red Hot Chili Peppers, or they'll also reference Lady Gaga. Yeah. And so they do these things, and they also reference movies. Everything from, I think, A Clockwork Orange is mentioned in, like, ten episodes. Definitely not – what's uh, – I'm blanking. Here's Johnny. What's that The movie? Shining. The Shining, thank you. Or The, the Shining. Shining. Or The Shining, right? That one, not only in that episode, but is referenced a ton. And I think that what it does is takes things that aren't necessarily funny – and kind of weaves them into a funny atmosphere. Okay. And I think that what you can do with music is take something that everyone knows, maybe a song from a movie, a song from a commercial, and when you put it into its proper context, even though it's not originally funny, it is now funny because it's part of a satire, which is played out through chords and goofy lyrics and stuff like that. 
So that's all right. That's I was thinking you were like really nerding out on it, and the whole thing would be like it'd be a song about how much you don't like your dad, and the chords would be B A D D A D. That's a lot better. Like that was what I was thinking you were doing. I don't know if that could work, but if you and me can make that work, and like if you can make a hip hop beat where the chords are B A D D A D, I'll do a diss track to all fathers. The only thing that will happen is only like one in three hundred and seventy-two people will get it because hearing that perfect pitch or something. No, you just have to hear the progression. You would assume it's in B, and anyone that could hear the progression would go, "Oh, anyone, anyone that can hear the progression." Well, one in three hundred and seventy-two people. So, so, so bad dad might not be worth it. I know a band from Chicago that was called Dad's Gone Bad. That's not very funny. It wasn't. They were not very good either. There was some, there was some punk band and they had a song called like Drunk Drivers Against Mothers or something. I like that. And that's pretty funny. But well, you know the funniest band name of all time. <laughs> I do know. What is it? It's the Poops, right? That's completely right. <laughs> and their song was called like Do You Want Cheeseburger? Mania. <laughs> yeah. That was the funniest <laughs> band name I've ever heard. We I never listened to the music because I feel like that would just ruin the song. But uh, I mean, I think if you and me ever make a song, it should be called Can I Borrow a Feeling. I'm down as, as long as, as you lend me a couple of. Is that I don't if I don't know what the if that's the lyrics to the song. It is. So okay, because a friend of mine posted the lyrics and his name. I don't know if this is actually. I don't remember hearing Kirk Van Houten sing any of this stuff. Oh man, you should Google that. It's worth your time. He's that's one of my favorite episodes. I was just watching that the other day. Oh yeah, they get divorced and he has the race car bed, right? Yeah, yeah. And so Kirk says he's like, I just drank a beer in the bathroom. And then Homer says, Oh, the one down the hall. <laughs> and that was like such a great joke. The Simpsons, I and mean, I think I think that's kind of one of the things you and me bonded over. The mm-hmm. Simpsons, and I think Game of Thrones. Oh yeah, very pro geek. So those are like the two things we bonded over. Surprisingly, it wasn't how much you love rap music, and that's usually what me and people bond over. It's and again, why I don't I'm hate single. rap music by any stretch, but I wouldn't say it's my forte. So if I and I think anyone that says forte when describing music is instantly disqualified as a rap. Specialist as a rap specialist. What about if they're talking about your team's running backs? Anything. I'm down as long as they don't call them piano. Well, that's a music joke. See, I don't. Yeah. What was that one nerd joke you and JP had? It was like, oh, what's a musician's favorite area code? Oh Three, yeah, two two or some shit. <laughs> that was actually taught to us by a sax player that sat in. And he told us that the jazz zip code is three six two five one. So one of my friends is a jazz guy. I'm gonna. Have to remember that three six five two one two five one. What did I say? Five two one. But who's counting? You are. Oh yeah. Um, so you're you're writing funny music. What about what about like serious music? Like have you ever written a ballad? I actually have. I'm not right. going to ask you to sing it because I don't have your piano with me right now. Well, it would basically be plagiarizing. Can I borrow a feeling? But okay, that's my ballad extensive work. But the two areas of music that I like writing in a lot are jazz. And then a band that I play, which is ba- in, which is basically them, the band, plus Dave, who also plays keys here, but he plays guitar in this band called New Solution. I write a lot of those songs, too, kind of funk fusion, weather report-ish stuff. So, weather report, is that Dave Brubeck? Partial credit, because there's consonants and vowels. It's actually um, Wayne Shorter. Wayne and Shorter. And Jocko Pistorius. When I was a kid... My friend Nathan, who I feel like you'd like a lot, because okay. he's the one that posted the the "Can I Borrow a Feeling" lyrics. Oh, that's he's already a, partial. Credit. He's a big he's a big Jaco guy, and he had when he when he was he's four years older than me, and he had uh no five years older than me. He just turned twenty nine. He uh 
he he had a, he had a Jaco CD, and I was maybe nine or something, and he was like thirteen or fourteen, and I I was one of these dumb kids that couldn't read well, and I was like Nathan, who's Jaco Pestranoves? and he goes, oh, he's dead, he got killed by a bouncer. It's so sad story. Yeah, but it, it was funny to. It, but so whenever I hear Jaco Pistorius, I think of Jaco Pestranoves. I've had that a few times. The keyboardist in Weather Report is Joe Zawinol, and his name looks like Z- Joe Zawinol. So, so Dave Brubeck's not in Weather Report? Mm-mm. What did Dave Brubeck do? Take five. Yeah, he was in a group called the Dave Brubeck Quartet. Oh, yeah. So I remember there was a time, <laughs> take five, they, they should take 20. Um, it's a math joke. So there was one time you were uh, doing... Aaron was doing a monologue, and he was playing a bunch of... He was talking about a bunch of candies and stuff and all that. And one of them was Take 5, and I was waiting for you to play Take 5, and you didn't do it. Dave Brubeck is probably one of my least favorite jazz musicians. And oh. I, I don't like uh, throwing out the hater too much. all chord progressions are bad to hit? No, that would make it me my favorite jazz okay. musician. So I stumbled through that comeback. But yeah, I think that the thing about Dave Brubeck was he was really fortunate for the time period that he made the music that he did. For example, and this is also documented in Ken Burns' A Jazz, if you ever check it out. But he basically was a two-hit wonder. He had two songs, Take Five being one of them. The other one was Blue Rondo a la Turk, That's which was really big. Bar. I know, but it should be. I feel like I'd buy it if you could fit that yeah, whole thing on a rapper. Yeah, you'd buy it because you're that one in 372 people that... Anyone else need a Blue Rondo? No? no maybe, maybe one colorblind Celtics fan would take it. I got it. I got yeah. the joke, right? There because they're go. blue that Rondo got hurt. No. You took my joke. You ran with it. You fell over, and now we lost the game. I cutlered it. Can you blame me? <laughs> no. Okay. Fair enough. Built. Well, so anyways, he had two big hits, and his group was good, but compared to a lot of the other stuff that was going on, I mean, that was when Brubeck's hit came out, like Miles was really starting to get going in Coltrane, not to mention this guy named Duke Ellington that was playing for a long time, and a lot of his success was primarily geared off the fact that they could market it because he was the first really notable white jazz musician since Benny Goodman Mm. to make a big splash. And unfortunately, Benny Goodman even didn't get a lot of credit in the 30s because in the 30s, being Jewish was still very, very negatively looked upon in some circles. And I think in, in a lot of circles. And I think that Jay Brubeck was the first face that promotioners or marketers, I'm, I know those terms aren't correct, ad, people that were promoting jazz could put on a CD or on a magazine and really sell jazz to the wider American community. So he's more like a, a positive victim of circumstance then. Yeah, I would say it's the same reason why I'm not the biggest Elvis fan because Elvis basically took songs and a lot of the time basically played Ray Charles, Little Richard, and Bo Diddley songs, but he had the look that was more marketable, even though he did them at less of a creative level than the other musicians were, but he was more of a marketable face, primarily because he was white. Yeah. And Dave Brubeck is a big example of that because, oh, he is a big white guy too. (laughs) But compared to the things that like Ellington and Coltrane did, it's not even close. Uh, Do you know that Duke Ellington is buried right next to Miles Davis. Did you know that? I did not know that. If you ever go to the Woodlawn Cemetery in the Bronx in New York. Okay, where can, Kanye's from. Exactly. You can mm-hmm. find their graves. They're right next to each other. 
And they're not far from Herman Melville's grave, who, mm. yeah, you know Herman Melville. Whale enthusiast. Yeah, big, big, whale, big whale guy. Big, mm-hmm. big whale guy. But see, you mentioned Elvis, and I'm glad you did. Because I don't really care for Elvis that much. Not an Elvis fan. I get, I get his, his, his greatness, his importance. And this is something that I'm interested in what your, your perspective on this is. I don't love covers. Okay. I'm not a cover lover. Although, like, you should see my magazine collection. Um, Count it. I don't, I don't really love covers, and that's maybe because I write my own music. I mean, that's being generous. I write rap lyrics, and I put a lot of thought into them sometimes. That is very generous. <laughs> but so, like, it's covers, I feel like, you can, you can definitely entertain me with a cover, and you and, and JP and Tony have done that dozens of times. I love hearing you guys play. But at the same time... Like I feel like for every time there's a, a group that I enjoy doing covers, like you guys, there's some self-important white girl singing a Kanye song, or hypothetically, of course, yeah, or a Lauren Hill song, or like uh, a no, no diggity, something like that. There's something annoying, hypothetically, like that. yeah, not even hypothetical. That happened, um, but so like that kind of stuff bothers me because I feel like. A lot of people, if they don't have the talent to write their own stuff, they just do covers. So the reason why it doesn't bother me as much when you guys do this, because I know you guys have written tons of stuff, especially you. You're writing a musical, for God's sake, and you advertise it constantly. Like I never shut up about it, I know. So, But so covers, like, what are your, as a musician that plays covers, but also writes your own stuff, do you get more of a joy in doing covers and doing your own stuff? Do you feel like people respond to them more? you feel like it's something you can just kind of pull out of your back pocket if you feel like you haven't won the crowd over a lot? Because I feel like that, I've seen bands do that, Dick. Oh, man, they hate our brand of indie folk ska, but just wait till they hear us do some Beatles song, and they'll love us. Then they do Beatles song, and people love them. Then they go back and do their stupid ska stuff, and no one likes them anymore. I think it really depends on how you cover a cover. Okay. Because I think it's really easy to poorly cover a cover because all you need to do is learn the chords and learn the lyrics and then you're playing the song Mm -hmm. no matter what it is but my favorite band in defense of covers being awesome is a group called the dirty loops they're a trio of i think they're swedish musicians that are out of this world talented and they take some songs that i'm not particularly a fan of such as Katy perry justin bieber they do an adele song and they not only do it their own way but they reharmonize the chords, completely change the genre, and take a song with two chords, turn it into a 30-chord jazz progression. But the singer has the pipes of Adele, or I think he sounds a lot like Stevie Wonder. He's got a lot of range. And they do a completely unique thing with covers that will never be emulated again. It's just like, that's their version of it. And I don't think that I'm anywhere near as talented as any of those musicians, but I have a similar goal that when I play something it's a cover i would like to think that it's my own not because it's like so great or anything like that but just it's my way of interpreting someone else's words okay i like that that's that's an understandable thing and so since i rap i like to make references to rappers mm-hmm. a lot of the time like i'll i'll do a reference to a jay-z song or a uh nas song or something or a jp downer song that guy's the best rapper i've ever met and he loves sports. Um, oh, JP, you can get the set list if you want. Okay, we only have a few minutes left anyway. That's for everybody that was wondering. JP's 
was upstairs for a second. But so I like to make reference to rappers. I like to reference that I'm a rapper. And so I, I like to end these things talking about rap music because that's what my favorite thing is. So, like, do you have a favorite rapper, Matt? That's tough. I would have to say off the top of my head, if there's one rapper that's close to my heart, it's the Big Punisher. Okay. So when I say dead in the middle of Little Italy. I'll say hot tub popping bubbly. All right. So, for example, one of my favorite rap groups is a group Das Racist. And they mention, like, they'll do stuff where they satirically mention, like, being, like, Big Pun and, and Little Italy and Terror Squad and being 700-pound dead Puerto Ricans. My goal is to get you to spit the water out. Um, Almost. But so, like, I really like that kind of stuff. That's funny. And so I think I think what I want I want to recommend Das Racist to you publicly, and okay. so I feel like now that I've done it publicly, you'll have no choice but to listen to them. So does that mean you're gonna listen to the the Dirty Loops because that, I publicly I mean, if recommended they, them? Excuse if me. they do a cover of of like an Adele song or any pop music, I'm into it. I love pop music. You know, like me and JP talked about it for a while, but so I love pop music. And I listen to a lot of pop music. I listen to a lot of rap music. And so I'm, I've made a recommendation to you. You made a recommendation to me. Uh, right now, I want you to tell me just one of your favorite albums, one of your favorite songs. And what we're going to do is we're going to use that song as the outro to this show. So, But don't think about it too much. Just just say something. You know, like if there's a song you've been listening any to. Any genre. Any. I mean, it can't be something that I couldn't find on the internet because we have okay. to be able to find it and put it on this this file. But so, you're already okay. thinking too much about it. I want you to have an answer. Have an answer right Think away. Of the, you have the artist. You have the artist. You say the song. You tell why you like it. And then once you start doing that, we're going to put the song in. And it'll kind of like, you'll be starting to fade out. The music will fade in. Okay. It, so that's how it's going to happen. So One of my favorite piano players of all time is a guy named Brad Meldow. And off of his album Largo, which is one of my favorite jazz piano fusion albums of all time, he has an original song called When It Rains, track when it one. Rains. Okay. It's an awesome song. It basically encompasses everything that I think is awesome about music, and I'll leave it at that. So, Dave Meldo. Again, partial rains. credit. You're like Dave Brubeck close. <laughs> when It Rains, that's the song that's going to be starting to play right now. Matt Johnston, tell the people where they can see you play. They can see me play every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night at McMiniman's Crystal Hotel in Alstown from 10.30 to 12.30 as part of the Ed Foreman Show. As a quick test, do you know who the guest tonight on the show is? Daniel Baldwin. All right, man. You know, you might not know your city, but you know your show. Matt Johnston, thank you for being my guest. My pleasure. Thank you. Signing off. Mm-hmm.